listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Ignition sequence start. See, Elijah Wan has David Robinson. Just bamboozled. Kelly out of the corner for three hitters. Don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. The Houston Rockets select Yao Ming. McGrady at the buzzer. I know what we need to do. I know exactly what we need to do. Russell Westbrook, James Harden. I know what's at stake. It's going to be scary. Not for us. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Launchpad Podcast, the very second episode of the Launchpad Podcast, presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston Hoops. I am one of your hosts, Jackson Gatlin, and you can find me on Twitter at JT Gatlin. I'm your second host, Dex Hinton. You can find me on Twitter at Dex Hinton. Be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. So for today's show, well, I'll tell you, actually, before we get into the topics that we want to hit on today, Dex, do me a favor. Why don't you let everybody know a little bit about yourself? Because I already covered my bases in the very first episode. So why don't you tell our listeners, you know, who you are and what you're about and why you're a part of this, this Clutch City Control Room group? Cool. So yeah, uh, I'm a 25-year-old, pretty young guy here in Houston, born and raised, loving all things Houston sports. Um, I've been writing for ever since I got out of college. So I write about pretty much everything from movies to sports to music, whatever. Uh, my background is primarily in writing, but I'm just a big part of, not a big part, but I'm part of Houston Twitter and just love being, you know, just a part of spreading the James Harden agenda all around Twitter. So, um, you know, combine that with my writing background and, you know, my podcast background, I do a podcast about movies. Uh, it's kind of how I ended up being a part of Clutch City Control Room. Really excited to get rocking and rolling. And here we are. And, you know, you left out an important part. And, I, Dex, I'm hurt that we actually met through Rahat's platform over at Red94 because we, we were joint contributors over there. So it was myself, you, and we have two others, Justin Levine, as well as uh, David Z. Allen, who were all contributors over for Red94. And now I have brought this little group of four guys over here to Clutch City Control Room, where hopefully we can try and replicate some of the success we had over there, right? Yeah, it was awesome to be a part of, too. Uh, yeah, I'm just really glad that we're getting to do this and I'm getting to be a part of this. It's going to be fun. You know, just something from Houston, you know, for Houston. I think it's going to be awesome. And, you know, I, I do remember, and I, before we dive into our topics, because I, I don't want to segue too far out of this, but I do have to throw it out there. I was so impressed. I remember reading your very first piece that you wrote for Red94, and it was because you you used the analogy – uh, of the the quote from Avengers, the first Avengers movie, where Tony Stark says, we have a Hulk, and you said, we have a Harden. And that was your quote, like, in the article, and I thought it was so great just thinking about that Harden was, like, the secret weapon to this Rockets team. And I just, I was blown away by it, you know, just very very new into the sports journalism scene. Yeah, man, I thought it was one just, of the best uh, pieces I'd ever read. It's... Just watching the Rockets and then, like, hearing people say, that, oh, James Harden only gets numbers because of the system, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, James Harden is the system. Like, Mike D'Antoni just kind of points James Harden out there and is like, hey, go get a bucket, and he does it. And that's how the Rockets win a whole lot of games. Obviously, now with Russell Westbrook, he can do that too. 
Uh, he's also kind of one of those just heat-seeking missile kind of guys who can just go get you a bucket a lot of times. But having James Harden, it's like sometimes it's all you need. We have James Harden. Get it done. Hey, exactly. No argument there. And it's great to have you know two of those guys on the team now. And speaking of that second guy, Russell Westbrook, uh, just to kind of cover some bases with him. So he has finally made it to Orlando. And this is one of the things we wanted to talk about today. So we want to cover Russell Westbrook finally making it to Orlando. We want to talk about the fact that Luke Mbamute recently signed Luke Mbamute has not made it to Orlando and kind of what that means moving forward. And then we also want to hit on some a bit of kind of some fun. Uh, we have a little fun segment planned for the second segment of our show today as we are going to kind of talk about what would it be like if NBA players had walk-up music that they do in baseball? Because I think that is a travesty that with as, let's say, just, I mean, Dex, is it fair to say that basketball players are kind of like the maybe the biggest divas in the sports world? Or do you think that's like taken by somebody else across another sport somewhere else? I mean, as far as American sports goes, it's definitely basketball. Uh, you know, on the international stage, you, your soccer players are pretty diva-ish. But, you know, as far as stuff we care about over here in America, it's definitely the basketball guys being the divas. In fact, you know what? I actually do have to – I have to backtrack that only one step because I remember somebody comparing it in the past that it's actually every wide receiver in football is first as far as divas go. Then it's every <laughs> basketball player in the NBA, and then there's, like, everybody else, like, 18 tiers below that. So, based off of that, I think it's a travesty that we don't have walk-up music in the NBA. So, Dex and I are going to do our best to come up with some, some walk-up music for some of, the, some of your very own Houston Rockets. But before we get there – to talk about this this current news or you know slightly lack of you know lack of news Westbrook makes it to the bubble so that's very important he's finally made it there he is currently going through his 48 hour quarantine as Dex and I record this on a late Tuesday evening which means that hopefully the earliest that he will be able to attend a Rockets practice would be possibly Wednesday that would be cutting it really really close so he might be practicing Wednesday but chances are his first practice will be Thursday and that means that he gets one, maybe two practices under his belt before the Rockets' very first scrimmage on Friday. Now, as far as just getting Westbrook back, first off, Dex, what did you think when he first like came out on Twitter and was like, yep, I have COVID? Like, what was your immediate reaction to that? I mean, so my immediate reaction every time that Westbrook or James Harden or anybody on the Rockets is involved in, you know, something that's trending on Twitter is – Oh God! Like, what are the memes gonna be? What are the games <laughs> gonna be? Um, but yeah, just uh, he was pretty clear that he was mostly fine and was going to be fine. So I was like, okay, we got that covered. We're good. We'll just get him back whenever we can get him back. Because um, yeah, when you find out that somebody has COVID, your immediate thought is, well, like, you have like, I just tested positive for COVID, but I'm fine. Or do you like have COVID? COVID? Like, do you really got the Rona, or like you just kind of had the Rona? So, yeah, you got the uh, Rona a little bit or a lot of bit. Like, what's going? What's going yeah, on there? Yeah, we we talking like ventilators, or we talking like just sitting in the house board? Like, what kind of what kind of Rona are we talking here? So Ex- you know, exactly. And we're not uh, trying to make we're not trying to make light of it either. But at the same time, it I feel like sometimes you have to make light of the situation that's going on. Otherwise, it'd just be really depressing. Yeah, I got a last keep from crying. So yeah, once we figured out that he was mostly fine, he just tested positive. It's like okay, we'll get him back and. Hopefully everything is going to be copacetic and smooth. So, 
Absolutely. That's worried about. And, and then based on a lot of the reactions from, you know, from the head coach, from Mike D'Antoni, and, you know, down to the players, just people's reactions saying, yeah, you know, it means so much to finally, you know, have him here. You know, Austin Rivers going so far as saying, yeah, you know, yeah, like, you know, Harden and Westbrook, they're our guys. They're, you know, the big guns of the team. And, you know, being without them for as long as they were because James Harden had the delayed joining of the team in Orlando as well, citing family reasons for that. You know, there's this whole uh, – I guess it's just the dynamic shifts when you have your guy there, when you have the leader of the team there. And, and even though it is James Harden is, you know, one a Russell Westbrook is one B, you know, I made the comparison a long time ago. Russell Westbrook is the Robin to James Harden's Batman. And that couldn't be further from the truth for this team. Uh, Russell Westbrook is the Superman to James Harden's uh, Batman is they're both capable of being that go-to guy that, you know, alpha dog mentality to, to lead the team to a W on any given night. And so having both of those guys back under the same roof and Russ joining the practices soon is going to be great just from a team chemistry standpoint, all that good stuff. Now, a guy who hasn't joined the team is Luke Mbamute. And I've got some genuine concerns about what this means. And, and first off, Dex, did you, when, when it was announced that they were bringing Luke back, how'd you feel about that? I, I was pretty mixed on it because I'm like, you know, your immediate thought is 2018 Luke Mbamute was our X Factor. He was the guy that I thought was going to be the like the piece that put us over, um, you know, shutting down, you know, the Clay Thompsons of the world and stuff like that. But, you know, he got hurt and we haven't really seen him since. So I was like, I don't I don't know what this is going to mean, what it's going to look like. Um, but, you know, we know what the top end can look like. And the bot, if he's bad, it doesn't really matter. We just won't play him. But, um, you know, I was cautiously optimistic. I, I think cautiously optimistic is the way that a lot of people were. And I tried to myself, I, I will admit, I got really excited at first. And then I had to temper my own excitement by thinking, well, we, we haven't seen him healthy. We haven't seen him healthy since he blew out his shoulder. Uh, you know, at the end of the 2017-2018 season, there's a reason that he was, you know, largely unplayable for that that playoff run where the Rockets took the Warriors to seven games. And, you know, who knows how different some of those series may have been, or specifically that series against the Warriors, had Luke been playable. You know, you constantly hear, oh, well, the Rockets would have won if it weren't for CP3's hamstring. And then Golden State Warriors fans love to throw out the, the fact that they were missing Andre Iguodala. And then Rockets fans largely like to come back with, hey, we were missing Luke. And I think Luke and Iguodala are more of an apt comparison than Iguodala and CP3 as far as importance to those respective teams. Now, for Luke, him missing, him not being there in Orlando right now, one, even, even like regardless of where his health was at, you know, before getting to Orlando, which he's still not there, the fact that he's missed so much time, I just, I don't see him having a chance to even crack the rotation at this point because he's missed almost the entirety of the training camp. And even when he does show up, he probably won't, based on just, you know, how, if he shows up even tomorrow, so as we're recording this Tuesday evening, if he shows up Wednesday, he still has to quarantine for 48 hours. He's not going to make it in time for their very first scrimmage. So based on all that, do you really think he has a chance to crack the rotation, even if he is, like, let's say he's not 100% Luke from, like, the 2018 season, but say he's, like, 80% Luke. Do we think he has a chance to crack the rotation? If you can get to 80% of that Luke, uh, at least as far as defense goes, I think there's a spot for him just because I think part of what you and Chris talked about yesterday with the Rockets is that our – uh, our team is kind of built on quantity and just having redundancy uh, as far as having 
you know, players who can fill a lot of different spots and you can just keep throwing guys, three and D guys at people basically. So if you can get them to 80% of that, Luke, I think that he'll crack the rotation, but I feel like 80% of that Luke is optimistic and you're probably looking at more like 60% of that Luke best case scenario for the bubble. So I just, I just don't see it happening for him. You know, and, and regretfully, I, I don't either. You know, even you know, again, that that eighty percent. I was just trying to make the the percentage mark, these arbitrary percentage markers that I'm throwing out um, based on his health that we know nothing about. But I, I still don't think they would have signed him if there wasn't some understanding that he was at least somewhat healthy and, and at least playable. And but but missing this training camp, I will play devil's advocate for a second. Even though he missed largely the entire training camp. This is a guy who has been a part of the NBA system before. He understands the switch everything defense. He's played with, you know, many of these guys before. So really, it's and even the the relationship goes even further back than just the Rockets that he played with on the 2017-2018 squad, which it only encompasses James Harden, uh, Eric Gordon, and P.J. Tucker. It goes past those three guys. It goes all the way back to Russell Westbrook, who he played with at UCLA. So you know, there's some bonds there that maybe chemistry wise, it won't be that hard of a fit if he is healthy, but you know, I I just, I don't want to get anybody's hopes, you know, sky high about Luke coming in and being a rotation player and getting rotation level minutes. I think he was an insurance signing, maybe if anything. And I I would like to see Damari Carroll get some burn ahead of him. And, And that's a guy who I think wasn't getting enough time before the season, but where were you at kind of on let's talk Damari Carroll and Jeff Green here for a minute where were you at on those guys and their like limited sample size that we got before the season was put on hiatus so Damari Carroll I wanted to see him get more playing time I remember there being some amount of friction there as far as his playing time and them being upset about it rightfully so in my opinion Uh, so I would definitely like to see more out of him Jeff Green I love what they were doing with Jeff Green before we got sent to hiatus Um, I think he was in the perfect fit for, you know, for his skill set and, you know, what he can provide. So uh, I really want to see more out of Jeff Green. I know that's a meme at this point that everybody believes in Jeff Green <laughs> until the end of time. Uh, like that's just been a running joke for as long as Jeff Green has been in the league, the potential of Jeff Green. But I think he's one of those pieces that can help put the Rockets over a couple of the teams in the Western Conference and, uh, we saw that in games um, that he played this year. And, uh, you know, he's if he gets going from three, then there's really nothing you can do to stop the Rockets offense because that's the guy you're going to leave open. So I think Jeff Green and Damari Carroll hopefully, uh, you know, can be pieces that kind of push us above the other teams in the Western Conference who have dynamic duos just as dynamic as ours. Yeah, and thinking about Jeff Green, too, it, it is kind of a meme at this point, but I really think that, you know, all the judgment that we have towards Jeff Green and all the memes are kind of, you know, inaccurately placed because they're all concerning Jeff Green, the wing, and not Jeff Green, the backup small ball five, which is a really niche role that he hasn't been able to play anywhere else in the league. And this is the first time that we've seen him really have a chance to flourish in that role that really matches his skill set and specifically him and uh, PJ Tucker are two kind of 
you know, they really are the X factors on offense because they are going to be the two guys that get left open because largely the opposing centers are going to be checking those two guys. So if, if the opposing center is sagging off of Tucker or sagging off a of green in order to stop a drive from Harden or Westbrook, then those guys have to be ready to catch the ball and shoot it at a, at a decent clip. And green has done that so far. Now I don't expect him to continue shooting. I think it, I don't have his stats right in front of me, but I think it's like he was in 10 games. He shot like 42% from downtown or something. I don't expect that to continue, but even if he comes down to reality a little bit and shoots a consistent, say like 36 to 38% from behind the arc, that's respectable enough. And he's also a guy who not like PJ Tucker is, you know, really comfortable at taking the ball off the dribble and continuing to try and create for the team kind of a, a secondary attack off of an initial action from, from Russ or from Harden. And I think that's something that this offense is sorely missing at times is players who are willing to, you know, grab the ball, kind of pump fake for the three and then drive it in and continue keeping the defense scrambling because it feels like way more often than not, if the three ball is not there, whoever catches it, whether it's Tucker or House or, you know, Gordon sometimes, they just catch the ball. There's no three ball. Okay, we're just going to reset it and kick it back out to James or Russ to try and attack one more time as opposed to keeping that defense moving. Um, I don't know if you share that same frustration, but that's a frustration of mine that I've had watching this team pretty much the entire season. I definitely do, and I think Jeff Green is a perfect guy for that because, like you said, he's going to get a lot of centers kind of closing out on him, and he can definitely attack those guys off the dribble, like you know the JaVale McGee's of the world if we play the Lakers in the playoffs, things like that. He can attack off the dribble and get to the basket and you know make things happen, um, either laying it up or passing. So I think that you know, Jeff Green is in a perfect spot for him at this stage in his career. Um, he's not expected to become a superstar or anything like that overnight. We just need him to, you know, grab a couple of rebounds and knock down a couple threes, hit a couple driving kicks, and we're good. Um, so I think Jeff Green is in a perfect spot. Damari Carroll, uh, you know, I, I don't really know what to expect from Damari Carroll at this point anymore, but I think if he can – kind of find himself in between that Jeff Green role and that Ben McLemore role, maybe leaning a little bit more towards Ben McLemore where he's shooting a bit more, um, you know, but kind of providing a little bit more on defense in theory than Ben McLemore does. I think that'd be exactly what we need from Damari Carroll. I've heard takes from, you know, as good as Damari Carroll deserves to start. And I've also heard takes that he is washed and deserves zero minutes. So, I mean, they're on both ends of the spectrum as far as Damari Carroll. I am not that, uh, that far left or right on him. I am somewhere smack dab in the middle where I think he deserves some playing time based on what we saw in limited sample size. And it'll be interesting to see kind of how MDA and company decide to utilize him moving forward. Now, coming up, I do we, we want to hit on our – one, we want to talk about our little – kind of our little jokey meme segment uh, of intro music for NBA players. But there's one more topic that I actually want to talk to Dex about coming up regarding Harden and Westbrook and their dynamic. And we'll get more on that in just one moment. Support for this podcast comes from AT&T. All right, so there are a lot of reasons to like AT&T 5G. Check this out. My friend Lisa, who is a professional race car driver and base jump wingsuit enthusiast, likes AT&T 5G because it's fast. My friend Terry, who's a bodyguard who once also wrestled a hyena when he got too close to his client on safari, likes AT&T 5G because it's secure. And my friend Sasha, who's a librarian and hasn't missed a day of work in 27 years, 
Ooh, not even that time she broke both her legs and had the measles? Likes AT&T 5G because it's reliable. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's fast, secure, and reliable. And now nationwide. AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires a compatible plan. 5G may not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for 5G coverage details. And we are back in here at the Launchpad Podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room. Jackson, I know you've been sitting on a tape that you've been waiting to get off. You haven't had a chance to get it off anywhere, but the Launchpad Podcast is getting it first. Talk to me about the James Harden-Russell Westbrook dynamic. Okay. So as I was, because I've been post one, anybody who follows my Twitter feed, which if you don't already, please do it. I, I'm, I'm a gener- I'm much funnier on social media than I am in real life, for sure. I don't know if you're that way, Dex, but I'm definitely that way. Absolutely. <laughs> so on my Twitter feed, at JT Gatlin, I've been posting a lot of videos and doing some highlight reels and stuff as we're counting down the NBA season. Uh, today had one go out for Eric Gordon that he actually laughed at, which I loved. So I will, you know check mark off on the to-do list making Eric Gordon laugh on social media but past that little tangent one thing that I've been noticing as I've been digging through a lot of these clips and kind of looking at some things and maybe this is recency bias as I'm pouring through all these highlights and everything and even re-watching some old games and whatnot one thing that I've kind of come to realize or notice is that I think that Russell Westbrook is more adept at deferring to James Harden than James Harden is at refer at, at, sorry, at deferring to Russell Westbrook. And I think this is something that we've seen throughout the season, especially earlier on while Russ was still trying to find his place, find his role here in Houston. But even as Russ has become the quote unquote efficient Russ that we've seen since January and, and you know, has how he's excelled when once small ball was officially unveiled with the, Uh, trading of Clint Capella and bringing in Robert Covington uh, back all the way February 6th. Even throughout all that, I feel like there are games where Harden just simply doesn't have it and continues to shoot the ball and continues to try to want to shoot himself out of a slump as opposed to just deferring to Russ, who on any given night has been extremely efficient as of late. And I just don't see that from him. And I wish we would see more of that. So just do you think that's crazy, Dex, or do you think I might be onto something here? I think you're definitely onto something. Uh, James Harden has been, he's been the guy for so long and he's had to do it in such a particular way that I think it's going to take time for him to kind of get comfortable breaking out of that. Maybe the hiatus was enough to do it. We'll see. Um, But yeah, I think that, you know, James Harden is always out there looking to get his certainly. Uh, He's not a selfish player by any means, but, just kind of the way the Rockets have done things. It's been his job to go out there and get a bucket, like we mentioned earlier. So, uh, you know, if he's struggling, he's going to keep shooting until he ain't struggling because that's just what it is. Um, and I think that Russ is much better at recognizing when he just doesn't have it, like you mentioned, and, you know, trying to get m- others more involved. But, you know, if James Harden, if he feels like the problem is just that the shots aren't going in, and not that they're bad shots. He's just going to keep taking the shots. And he's kind of mentioned as much before. Uh, but, you know, when the defense is forcing him into bad shots or double or triple teaming him a half court or whatever, then, you know, obviously he's much quicker to pass the ball and kind of set the offense up that way. But if he feels like the shots that he's getting are good shots and they're just not going in, he's just going to keep shooting until they go in. 
And we kind of need to break them out of that a little bit, not all the way, but a little bit. Definitely a little bit. And I, it kind of, it reminded me of something that I, I remember Austin Rivers said in a post-game interview at one point where he said something along the lines of, you can't be mad at James Harden when he's playing like Superman and then, or you can't be mad at him when James Harden play, you know, has a game where he's Clark Kent versus, you know, be, uh, or so, so I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm absolutely butchering the quote, but basically he was like, you can't be upset with James for playing poorly because he's playing the exact same way, right? He play, if he plays this way and goes off for 40 or 50, then everybody's happy. But if he plays the exact same way and then, you know, has a, has a dud where he's, you know, one of 17 or two of 15 from behind the arc, you just can't be upset with him because he's taking the same shots. They're just not going in. And I, I think I agree with that to an extent, but not all the way, kind of like you said, it just, we need to break him out of it, but just a little bit. And like you said, I hope that the NBA restart gave him time to, to realize that, you know, the style of play that he has been accustomed to for years now, where everything is, you know, live and die by James Harden on the court. It doesn't have to be that way anymore. And and he does have a guy who is equally capable of shouldering the load in Russell Westbrook now. For sure. And I think, it's going to be interesting how things kind of shake out with the playing in the NBA bubble, because I think not having fans will do something to the way that guys shoot and just kind of momentum and different things like that, because there's something to be said for, you know, home court advantage and guys shooting better at home and also just kind of the pressure that crowds add. Uh, You know, if James Harden gets rolling in the Toyota center, you know, he's, unstoppable he just becomes a flamethrower but when you don't have the crowd kind of building up that hype and different things like that I wonder what it's going to look like when James Harden shooting 17 threes in a game you know if he makes any more any fewer of them you know based on being in the bubble and not having a crowd kind of egging him on and hyping him up and that kind of momentum building throughout a game you know it's it's going to look like you make that point for James and you know I I don't he doesn't necessarily strike me as the kind of guy that that really truly feeds off that crowd energy, but a guy that does absolutely feed off the crowd energy is one Russell Westbrook. So to me, I think he might be the bigger story of just how he reacts to not having fans who are either for him. It doesn't ever seem like he cares whether they're booing for him or cheering for him. He just feeds off that energy, just the volume, the intensity all of that, that's everything that he is as a player. And so he's a guy that is definitely, you know, that'll be interesting. And there's other guys like him around the league that, you know, the, the Draymond Greens of the world who, you know, obviously Draymond's not going to be there, but just players like that who really feed off both positive and negative crowd energy. It'll be interesting to see how they react to it. And I, I remember even Austin Rivers saying in an early interview, like way back during the beginning of the hiatus, that there's going to be some guys who walk out there onto a court with no fans and who are going to suddenly become like insanely good players because he goes, you know, he said something along the lines of, you know, there's, there's guys who they don't miss in practice. They're, they're sitting there and they're hitting, you know, eight, nine, 10 threes in a row. And you're wondering, well, why can't you do that during a game? And he goes, cause it's different during a game. There's so much, there's so many distractions and the noise and so many different things going on that there's some guys who they look like they'd be, you know, all NBA players during practice. And then they get to the actual game and they just can't hit anything. And he didn't mean that in a mean way. He just meant sometimes the lights are too bright. And so it'll be interesting to see if there's like some random scrub on some, you know, into the bench who checks into the game and then can't miss because there's not all these fans in the crowd distracting him. The bubble is just a fascinating place. Am I right? Yeah, this is going to be the weirdest thing to ever happen in sports. And I'm just so excited. I just, I cannot wait to see how this goes. Because like you said, like, 
there's going to be some random guy who goes off. And also the Houston Rockets have incredibly bad luck with other just random bench players going off against us. So it's going to be fascinating to watch if that's any better or worse when, you know, there's no fans in the stands. Because some of those guys, it's like, you know, they get hot and the crowd is egging them on and that, like, really gets them going. You have your Dame Lillers of the world who are, like, pulling up from 40 just for a heat check because oh, yeah. the crowd's into it and they'll let them have it. But, you know, I don't – I wonder how many, you know, just Dame time shots we're going to see with no fans in the stands because I feel like that's part of it, you know. Well, I'm so excited to see how this works. It definitely feeds into it, and we're we're definitely you know with basketball right around the corner. It is it's it's right here. It's almost at our fingertips. It's so close you can almost taste it. And I, I know that I am just you know everybody that I've been chatting with is just so ready to finally have this back because sports are such a big part of people's lives. And obviously, there's been so many things that are you know more important than sports going on with with COVID, with the social justice movements, all these things. But sports are still just they're an integral part of everybody's you know day to day and not having them around throws everything out of limbo so it's nice to finally have it back now we did promise a Mimi uh intro walk-up music segment and so we'll do that right now so first things first what what songs start coming to mind when you start thinking of some of the Rockets players and what a good walk-up song would be for them Dex so like we kind of talked about off pod I think that there's a couple that like really jump out at me. One being We Ready for PJ Tucker because PJ Tucker just embodies the energy of that song. Just always being ready to just take on any person, any challenge, anything that comes his way. He's just always ready to scrap it out to do whatever it takes to get the job done. So We Ready by Archie Eversall would be my walk-up song for PJ Tucker. Okay, okay, okay. I can get behind that. He he is the he is the stay ready player. He's ready for anything. Uh, any other ones that immediately jump out to you for for this roster? So, just just being just the obvious idiot in the room. I think that you know Travis Scott has a song called "Way Back" that name checks James Harden in the chorus. James Harden's in the music video for it. You know the chorus is kind of just about. James Harden's range and, you know, the step back and things like that. So it's just so obvious and so clear. Like, James Harden is literally in the music video, like, playing basketball. Like That's good. That's definitely kind of just a, a – it's got to be the answer, right? It, yeah, there's it's no just other so option. easy. You just got to do it, yeah. So, yeah, that was the only other one that just immediately it was like, yes, okay, we have to do this one for James. But so, the rest so- I'm open to. I know. I, so I like that. That makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, I think way back to just a small tangent, you know, going back to when Harden first started making his, his step back, kind of his patented move. And we were trying to come up with a, a clever, catchy nickname for it. And we never did that, by the way, like it's still just called his step back, which I think is ultimately kind of lame. Like we should have come up with a better nickname for it. And I remember two of my suggestions right out of the gate. Well, one, a lot of people were choosing, a lot of people went with Texas two-step, which I thought was like, eh, like a little, eh. I don't, what, what are your thoughts on Texas two-step for his step back? I mean, like, I get it. Obviously, it works. It's it's cool. It's not cool, but like, it's clever enough, I guess. I don't, 
it's a little on it. the nose for me is my thing. Like, it's just, it's, yeah. it's almost kind of like Houston, we have a problem. It's just like, come like, really? Like, yeah, it works, but you could have come up with something better, right? Yeah. What are, what are you, what have you been coming up with? What's, what's well, in your. And it, it never stuck, but I thought it was clever enough. So let me get your thoughts on it because I don't know if you've ever seen it, but you know, way back when I suggested that we call it Astro World, and I just, I don't know, because it, it's, it's, eh, it's not phenomenal, but it's better than Texas Two-Step, in my opinion. It is better than Texas Two-Step, but uh, that, you know what? Astroworld implies like a, like a spin move kind of situation. You know what I'm saying? That, like, I know, and I know that, that was the problem that I struggled with. I was going for the play on words with Astroworld and all that good stuff, but I just... You know, I just, I, when I feel bad for James, you know, he deserves a name for his signature move that isn't just James Harden's step back. Like, and we have failed him as Rockets fans and Rockets media to not have given him an adequately awesome name for his signature awesome move. See, but let me play devil's advocate though, because I think that calling it the James Harden step back, now, anytime any NBA player does a step back, it's the James Harden step back, even though the step back has been a thing forever. You know, I think that just kind of giving that to James Harden is also kind of cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, I can, no, I can hear that side of the argument. And that's, that's a good point that I hadn't thought about before, you know, but even with the other like signature moves, right. You know, you can, you can say like the sky hook and everybody knows who you're talking about. You can say killer crossover and everybody knows who you're talking about, but I feel like their names are still included in those moves. Like you say, you know, Kareem's sky hook, you say AI's killer crossover, those moves. So, or I guess MJ's fadeaway isn't really as iconic as those other two, but I digress. I just felt like I needed to include that little tangent in there. But, and thank you, Dex, for being honest with me that Astroworld isn't phenomenal. I still think it's better than Texas Two-Step, but it's not phenomenal. Yeah, I, and I agree with you. It's better than Texas Two-Step, but we're not, we're not quite there yet. I don't, I don't think that one's going to be the one that breaks through. No All offense. Right. I got, I got, so I got, I got two off the top of my head for Russell Westbrook. And my first one is – and the, the second one's going to be a dark horse candidate for it. But the first one, just straight up hard in the paint. Like, who, like come on. I feel True. like just it, it, that it, that encompasses his entire mentality. That is just Russ to a T. One hundred percent. And uh, last week I spent some time looking at videos of Russ kind of attacking Rudy Gobert as you know the Rockets, I guess center paint player for a lot of possessions. And yeah, the all he's Rudy he's Gobert the best would definitely agree. center in the league. Yeah, <laughs> Rudy would definitely agree that Russ goes hard in the paint. Absolutely. Oh, that one moment where he like shoulders go bare and bodies him off completely and goes up for the layup. Just, just inject that moment into my veins like 10 times over. Um, Just kiss. Beautiful. Right. Um, Now my sleeper candidate, and this one, I think it fits this. It's, it's the same energy, but different. And it would be. I came in like a Yes or no? Does that hit or not? <laughs> that is definitely on brand for Russell Westbrook. I could, and you know, with with some of the outfits that Russ pulls up to games in, he's definitely got some Miley Cyrus energy. I can see it. Okay, yeah, so, so a little, little wild now, just a little bit, um, just a now, little bit. <laughs> all right, Showing now, some chest. 
or yeah maybe a lot of ch- dude he has one of his outfits where it's like it's not even like it's like the deepest v-neck i've ever seen in my life because it goes down to his like <laughs> pants like it's at that point is it even a v-neck it's just an open shirt like i don't i look i love james i love russ and i love pj but their sense of fashion goes far beyond me maybe that's more your domain but i just i will never understand it i will say pj tucker is the best 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 dressed player in the nba but you know russ be wilding sometimes we got, we got a petition for PJ to win Best Dressed Award, and he needs an all-defensive selection this year. Exactly. Get it done. Um, all right, so I'll throw it back to you really quick. Do you have any other ones that come to mind for any of the other Rockets players? Because I got one, but it's, more, it's, it's another kind of a, a meme pick, and I didn't take this one super seriously. But <laughs> So one that just came to mind for Rocco would be, <laughs> this is also a pretty meme pick, the switch by Will Smith. <laughs> Because that's all <laughs> that Roko does for <laughs> oh, God. No. I don't know what your relationship is with that song, but for me, that was the song they played at like every single function we had as a school in fifth grade. Like literally every single time we got together as a fifth oh. grade class or as a school, we heard the song Switch by Will Smith. So it's forever ingrained in my brain. But it, that's exactly who Roko is for us. He's the Switch guy. <laughs> okay, that first off, that's a phenomenal pick. <laughs> because <laughs> one, I know every word to that song. It's like you said, it is ingrained in my brain. Everywhere you went, fourth and fifth grade, like that song played everywhere. Like if you were... You know, any if you were you know fifth grade and you'd go out to like what was it we used to do in like Friday Night Live or whatever like out in Bel Air, Texas, like just you know the where you dump your kids off at six p.m. and come back and pick them up at eleven o'clock, you you know awkwardly like slow dance and stuff with the other fifth graders and but when it was like when it was go time for the music when it wasn't like the awkward slow dance time, I mean Switch was like every fourth song that got played. Um, <laughs> So I agree with that completely. That is perfect. Um, and I think that might win as far as that, that probably beats the Miley Cyrus wrecking ball for Russ. Um, but I've got one more and it's for Daniel House and it's for Daniel House when he is struggling. So are you ready for this? I'm ready. Let's go. House. Mm. Well, together, everybody knows this is how the story goes. She knows she's got everything. It's gotta be it's gotta be that. If he's struggling, if he's not hitting his shots, I mean come on. And everybody like just everybody knows that they have that joke in their head as soon as he shoots a brick every single time. You know, like we might not tweet it anymore just because it's so it's pretty like, used. It's, yeah. <laughs> but we all we all think it every time. Let's be real. And also the 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 alternative to that is when he's actually, you know, on or when he dunks, you know, Daniel is a, you know, he's bringing the house down. Oh, there's so many great puns out of his name. He the Rockets have some pretty great punnable names like just overall, you know, cuz you have house obviously. We did have Jailed Green. So we had greenhouse. Uh, hey, we still have greenhouse. I will put that out there. The the greenhouse effect lives on through Jeff Green. It's not the original greenhouse true. effect, but Jeff Green has reinstated the greenhouse effect to the Rockets roster. Thank goodness. This is true. Uh, you know, Russell Westbrook. Uh, he has. There's a lot of different directions you can go with puns for Russell Westbrook. Um, you know, muscle, muscle people, flex brook is my favorite one though. Like muscle flex, <laughs> yeah, that, you know, that's probably my favorite one that I've seen. Russell West brick when he's struggling, you know, there's a lot you can do with a lot of the Rockets names. We Austin I think the, Rivers, 
We the, have, the, we have the, a lot we can do. <laughs> the, the one I think that is the most tired is honestly though, when, when people decide to leave the D out of Harden's name because he doesn't play defense, like that one is such a used joke and it doesn't even, it's not even true anymore. I mean, you maybe could have made that case for a few years there, but you know, ever since that Shaq in a fool video came out for Harden, like it's just, it's been that same tired joke over and over and over. Exactly. I, yeah, that one, we're done with that. Um, we don't allow James Harden slander in this household. We have an agenda to <laughs> push James Harden as the best player in the NBA. And, you know, the no D and Harden thing, we don't, we don't do that anymore. Absolutely. Now, I think that's, I, I think we, we covered our meme content for this episode. So I think that's going to do it for today's show. Now, if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to our show on, uh, you know, on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, and just all the guests that we have rotating through and all the voices that we're offering to the Houston community, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here for our very next episode of the Launchpad Podcast covering your Houston Rockets.